What if we lived in such a way that when people met us, they walked away with healthy attributes? Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church in Southern California. And we are on a series based on the book of 1 Thessalonians, where we are learning to live in a contagiously healthy way. Enjoy the message. Uh, this past Thursday, just a few days ago, I play in a softball league on Thursday nights. And it's because I'm too old to play baseball is why. And uh, we had our championship game, and I'm playing left field. And I think it was about the third inning, a ball was hit to short uh, left field. And so being the agile, fast, swift individual that I am, I began chasing after this ball. And I'm going hard after this thing. And I... (laughs) see it, but I know that I have to leave my feet and lay it out to even have a shot at this thing. It was a weak moment. And so I lunge, and I'm probably this high in the air (laughs) as I'm going for this. And I've got my glove, and I see that bright yellow ball coming, and I know if I just extend fully, I am going to catch this thing. But just as that ball was about to reach my glove and I was going to hit the ground, something surprised me out of the corner of my eye. It was the shortstop. He had the same thought. I had no idea that he was coming. But at this point, as I'm parallel to the ground, fully extended, I have no option. He too turns and realizes that I'm there much to his surprise. And so that the two of us don't collide, he thinks it's a great idea to jump up in the air and try and get above me. Meanwhile, as he did this, his knee hit the back of my head. I flipped onto my back, and I'm later told that he did a complete flip and landed. He pops up, and I'm, I'm gone. I, next thing I know, I've got half my team going, Rob, are you okay? And my third baseman is literally going, I heard it all the way from third. And I'm thinking, I heard it all the way also. And at that point, I'm wondering, you know, I'm putting up my hands and, oh, yes, I'm going to be able to feel again in my legs. But I got knocked silly. Well, you fast forward to um, later that night as I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking to myself, how stupid that was. Rob, you're 48 years old. It's a stupid softball game. What were you thinking? I know that's exactly what my wife was thinking also. But I was like, I made this commitment. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. Now, the reality is, you put me in that same situation, I might forget the commitment I made. But it seemed like a good decision in bed that night to say, that's ridiculous. The second thing was, I learned after the game, the short step said, Rob, you don't know this, but I too was going to go head first. And I thought, Lord... All joking aside, this could have been really bad. And thank you so much for protecting my stupidity. You know he's done it to you too, okay? But here's, here's, here's what I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking, God, that is absolutely amazing. But here's, here's the last thing that I thought. I thought, you know, all of this would have been avoided. And I know we got a lot of ball players out there. 
All of this would have been avoided if only as I was running, I did what? Call it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. But for whatever reason, and normally I would, but I just, I just thought there's no way the shortstop, there's no way. I'm just going to go get this thing. And as I was preparing my sermon, that, that, that moment really lived out, and it continues to live out in my life today as I could barely stand here today because every bone in my body hurts. But I thought, I thought, you know, I assumed that everyone knew what I was thinking. Have you ever done that? You assume wherever. And, and I thought as I'm walking into this message, I, I, hear, I want you to hear clearly that I think I make a lot of assumptions as a pastor. And I'm specifically speaking to the Christian here today. If you have not made a decision to be a Christ follower, you are in the right place. I am glad that you're here. But I specifically want to speak to the Christian because I assume standing up here, what we're going to talk about that we all think about all the time, and it's always on our radar. But the reality is that I understand that it's not true of my life, and therefore maybe, just maybe, it would be true of your life also that what we are going to talk about tonight isn't always on your radar. So I want to keep that tension there, and I'm going to pray as we continue to look at this new series called Contagious, uh, Contagious Living that we started last week. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you. Thank you for gathering all of us here tonight, and uh, thank you for helping us through maybe uh, some other stupid things that we did this week. God, we love you, and and we thank you that um, your grace is extended over all of us. God, you know that you've put a message in my heart for your church, that you've put a message in my heart for me. And instead of assuming, help me to be clear and communicate with my friends out here what it is that needs to be on our radar. God, help me to submit and surrender to your Holy Spirit and help us to be good listeners and do something about what we hear. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. So we're gonna jump right into our text tonight. Uh, We started last week with this new series, uh, this whole idea of contagious living, looking at this letter. You know, we call it a book, but really it's a letter. Uh, First Thessalonians, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and these fine individuals are gonna make their way down, while the rest of you, I know you're pulling out your Bible apps and and checking that out. So we're gonna go to First Thessalonians, which is found in the New Testament. We're gonna start in chapter two. We see that Paul, Silas, and Timothy are writing this, and, and, and we see uh, Paul's probably the one that's penning this. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong what? In the face of what, church? in the face of strong opposition. And, and, and I, wanna, I wanna stop right here because this is the foundation of tonight's message. Last week, we t- took a look and we, we wanna really grab an attribute from each one of these chapters in the first, uh, first Thessalonians. Last week, we looked at this attribute of thankfulness. And, and we, we, if to remind you, we, 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 we looked at chapter one and we didn't see that we have reason to be thankful for our car or for you know, our, our, our beautiful wife or our great husband or, or the fact that uh, we have a 
great home or a great job. And all, and all those things could be good things, but, but we have so much more to be thankful for than some of those surfacey things. And this is what we grabbed a hold of. We have so much to be thankful for. But this week, the word is this attribute that I want you to think about is leadership. Can you say that with me? Leadership. And I know even just saying that right there, I've caused some of you to already shut down. And if you shut down, wake back up. Because this message is for you. This message, like I said, is for the Christian. If you are a Christ follower, you have said yes to Jesus Christ, this message is for you. You may not think you're a leader because your business card doesn't say president on it or it doesn't say store manager or it doesn't say uh, coach or, or whatever the titles that we give people that are quote unquote leaders. But I wanna tell you this, that you are a leader because you said yes to Jesus Christ, you signed up to be a leader. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I love leadership. My staff knows that I could talk leadership till I'm blue in the face. If, if I'm at a conference, I'm always gonna go to the one that talks about leadership. I read about leadership. I'm, I'm fascinated about this whole topic. And with that, I've heard many, many definitions and many different angles that you could approach this topic, but I wanna hang my hat on one definition. Are you ready? It's given by a, a former pastor, John Maxwell, who now uh, has a nonprofit uh, ministry that's leadership driven. And he said this in one of his books, and I can't even remember which one it was. It's probably in all of them. He says, leadership is influence. Did you catch that? Leadership is what? Leadership is influence. You know, we wanna give all these definitions, but leadership, when it boils down to it, is, 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 is influence. So let's say you have a soccer team and you, uh, you, you nominate one of the players to be the captain, right? He is the leader or she is the leader. But when something is asked or a question or a thought or, or there's a challenge that's be, being given, you can have a captain who's quote unquote the leader, by title, but everyone else is following someone else on that team, that someone else is really the leader. Because leadership is influence. I always say this, you wanna know who the leader is in a room? Ask a question and look where all the eyes go. Whatever kind of situation you're in, ask the question and see where all the eyes go. It doesn't always go to the president. It doesn't always go to the vice president. It always doesn't go to the general manager. It always doesn't go to the coach. It doesn't always go to the captain. It's the person that has influence that is the real leader. So what do I mean by that? You could have a title on your, your badge or you could have a title outside your door or you could have a title of leadership on your card. But if you look behind you and no one's following you, you're not a leader. And the opposite of that is true. You may not have a title on your door. You may not have a title on your card. You may not have a title on your shirt. But when you look behind you and people are following you, you are a leader. So leadership is influence. And as we look at this passage, what Paul is saying is he says this, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. See, Paul is not a leader because he wrote scripture. He, he, he's not a leader because he was an eyewitness of some amazing things that God did back in the early church. He wasn't a leader, quote unquote, because you know, oh, God gave him some official title. He was a leader because his world was rocked. His, his life was ruined. He was wrecked on the road to Damascus. And he had an interaction with God that changed him, that caused him to turn his life to Jesus Christ, to change his name from Saul to Paul. He got baptized and now he was a follower of Christ. 
He was a leader for Christ. He was to influence people in what? The gospel. Does that make sense? So if you are a Christ follower, whether you like it or not, you are called to lead. And what are you called to lead in? You're called to lead in influencing people towards the gospel. Now let's think back to the context of this letter in which it's being written. It's written to a young church. I told you last week it could be two or three years old. I heard someone share this week that maybe it could even be as young as one year old. Could we all agree one, two, or three? It doesn't really matter. It's a young church. And I don't mean age-wise. I just mean faith-wise. In the context of this church, if you remember, uh, it's the capital city of Macedonia, right? This is a big, big, big city. You have a lot of um, uh, trade in this city. You have people coming from all over the world. You have all sorts of cultures. You have all kinds of ethnicity. There was diversity all over the place. And with the diversity comes what? Diversity within religion. And, and some of the things I came across this week that I, I would like to share with you is, is, is this. When you talk about diversity, you got the gods of the Olympians. You got Apollo, Athena. You got Hercules. I remember I had to study all that stuff in seventh grade. Boring. Sorry, if you're not there yet, I'm sure it's much better. Not really. You got the, 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 the Greek mystery religions. You got the shrines that were built to the Egyptian gods. You got, you got Judaism. And, and all were competing for the hearts and the minds of the people within Thessalonica. And think about this. All of these religions were missionary-minded they, they, they wanted to spread their faith, and in doing so, many were what we call opportunist. They, they, they came to take from people and not give. You catch that? That's what all this was about, this religiosity. It, it was opportunist. We're going we're gonna to take something from the people, the resources, the finances, with the, the people's hearts and their minds. And so Paul is combating that in this letter. Now, now, he doesn't have to do it to the Thessalonican church because they support him. They understand him. They believe him. But he's speaking against the people that are speaking against him. He's got great opposition that is facing him. And this is why he says, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Paul was a man's man. He was a leader for Christ. He was an influencer. And many of you would write this off and just go, yeah, but he's Paul and, and I'm not. And God wanted to do something amazing in him and through him. And I would argue against you and I'd press into your life and I'd challenge you and say, God wants to do something amazing in all of us that are followers of Christ. No matter how weak or how strong you think you are, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same power in you. And he wants to do something great in you. And his leadership is your leadership. And he, he says to every one of you, you can make a difference. You can influence. It's not President Trump's job to change America. It's not the government's job to change America. It's not Walmart's job to change America, praise the Lord. It's not Apple, that's, Starbucks, none of these places are here to change the world. It's the church, it's Christ followers that ought to have the greatest influence in our communities. And so our leadership, 
Our leadership is at home and our leadership is in our schools. Again, I love this. You guys are confusing me now because we got all the youth over here usually, but you're over here. This is good. And I love our young people. I love you guys had a great week at CIY, amen? You got some great things. Isn't it great that we have a bunch of young teenagers that spent a week learning about God and praising him? And here's the reality. Young people, God is not done with you. And you don't have to wait till you get to this age of 18 or 21. God wants to use you today to be influencers for his kingdom. And to my friends on the other side of life. Where's Glenn? No. God's not done with us either, amen? God's not done with us. We may have been screwed up and messed up and and, and made bad choices, but God still wants to use us as influencers for his gospel. Do I have anyone that believes that? But see, the problem is, and why this is such a passionate message for me, is sometimes, maybe more times than not, it's not even on our radar. What we think is, oh, that's the pastor's job. Oh, that's, that's the student ministry's director's job, Katie, to, to change the world in the youth ministry. Amy de Gonzalez, she's the one. She's the children's director. She's got to change the kids' minds. It's the eldest. No, 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 no. Those are titles, and that's wonderful, but we're Christ followers first. And as a Christ follower, we're called to make an influence and a difference for what? The gospel. And in this case, he says... In strong opposition. Well, guess what? As I was thinking, 2017, not much different, is it? Junior high, high school, college students haven't been there for a while. I know you think I probably just graduated a few years ago. But what I understand is getting harder and harder to be a Christian in front of your peers. To my friends in the workforce out there, it's getting harder and harder to be a Christian. Oh, we're not to where the third world countries and most countries are dealing with persecution, but we got our little persecution going on here. And I know this, I don't know a whole lot, but I know it's gonna get worse before it gets better. So are you going to be willing to stand out and stand up for the gospel? What's the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If it's just death and burial, there's no good news, but there's death, burial, and resurrection. He overcame death on a cross. He rose again so that you and I may have life, the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty darn cool, isn't it? And this is where we get to be influencers of that. You know, I was telling the morning service, I said, you know, God's God, he could have done whatever he wants. That's really profound on my part, right? <laughs> but I mean, I mean, we could get comical with this, but he could have chose big pens to communicate his gospel. He could have picked Apple computers to communicate his gospel. He could have picked purple chairs to be have the ability to talk and communicate his gospel. He could have picked billboards. But you know what he chose? He chose us to be leaders and influencers. And that's, that's not an obligation, that's a privilege. That's an honor. How cool is that? That we get to come to someone that has no hope and give them hope. 
We get to come to someone that lives in darkness and give them light. We get to come to someone that has no purpose and help them to understand their purpose. We get to do that. Not just I, the pastor, we as Christians. And my question would be, is that on your radar? You know, Acts chapter one says we are to be um, witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20 says, Jesus says, all authority and power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and continue to teach them all I have commanded you all the way to the end of this age. Corinthians says that we are ambassadors for Christ. The gospels say that we're salt and light of this world. Every one of those thoughts that I just shared tell me that I am a leader, and as a leader, I am an influencer. Some of us have got off track, and that's fine. I I understand. I relate totally to that. This message is for me because I'm on track and off track all the time with this. But this is why I believe I can't assume I can't assume that everyone on the team knows that I'm going for that, or that, that, that uh, yellow softball. And more importantly, I can't assume that all of us understand that we are leaders and influencers for the gospel. And that's why I'm coming passionately with us tonight to remind us, as Paul says, you know what? We dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. So the question is, how then do we do this? And before I answer this, uh, I want to pull up my cell phone. On Wednesday, I believe it was, around 4 o'clock, I heard a big beeping noise. And I'm going to guarantee you that there was a handful of you that heard it too. It kind of went like this. And then about three seconds later, I hear my wife's phone go off, and it goes, and I hear my son's phone go off. Do you know what I'm talking about? What is that? Oh, so you, you know. An Amber Alert. And when I look at the Amber Alert, it says right next to it, missing child. And then it gives a description of that missing child. And then it gives a description of the car, right? And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not dogging that at all. I think it's absolutely amazing that we're using technology for a good thing, Okay. But here's what I would like to suggest. On top of that, wouldn't it be wonderful if every once in a while, as Christians, our phones would go off and we would get a gospel alert? You hear me? If every now and then our phones would go off and all of a sudden, instead of saying missing child, Amber Alert, it would say gospel alert and it would say lost soul. And that would remind us of our neighbor who is far from Christ that needs to be influenced and led to Christ. It would remind us of that coworker that is so stinking annoying that we don't even want to be in his or her presence, that that is a lost soul and it needs to be led to Christ. It reminds us of, of that person that we go to school with that, that, that has just lost his or her parents in an awful car wreck that is devastated, that that person needs to have a gospel alert and be reminded that that is a lost soul that needs to be led to Jesus Christ. 
And I, and I say that because you would think as, as a pastor that that's all I think about. And if you know me well enough, that's not all I think about. But isn't that something that should be on my heart and my mind? And Christians, shouldn't that be on all of our hearts and our minds? Because we are talking about heaven or hell. We are talking about eternal difference for a person. And sometimes we forget how important this really is because we want to live in la-la land. Everything needs to be, it's a small world and we just float along on this thing and hear things, you know, right? Everything is not Disneyland. Can I get an amen to that? Now, some of you are saying amen for the different reasons, but, but are you with me? It's just one of those wake-up calls for me and for all of us to say, this is what really matters, is that people are brought to the cross, that people are brought to Jesus Christ, and that we get to lead them, and we are influencers in that. So how do we do this? Glad you asked. First Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2, let's go to verse 3. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with what? The gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God. Did you catch that? We're not trying to please people, but we're trying to please God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. If you're taking notes, write this down. Answering this question, how do we, how do we lead effectively or how do we lead with influence people towards the gospel? Number one, it's about seeking God's approval. Write that down, seeking God's approval. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, it, it would be tempting to hear a message like this and then go out and invite a neighbor or a classmate or a friend or someone so that you could come back to church and go, Pastor, here's my friend. I did what you said. Now, that would be wonderful. But here's what I want to do is I want to put our motives in check. We don't do that so that we can impress man. We do that so that we could honor God. Does that make sense? You see, church, if I'm up here giving my life, and, and, and I'm telling you, it's work. I know some of you think, pastors, we write a few verses, and we write a sermon, and we close the book, and we preach, it, and then we twiddle our thumbs until next Sunday. And I don't say this for all pity and sake. I got here at seven o'clock this morning. And I'm not leaving here till nine and I haven't even left. And I don't do that for the approval of you. All the time. Let's be real. I struggle at times with doing things because it would make you happy. Not even checking with God if it would make him happy. Can anyone relate to that? Oh, I could, I could spiritualize it and I can make it all Christian pretty, but, but I know my heart and my motive. You know your heart and your motive, why you do what you do and what you don't do. Amen? Amen. And I love this part of this because this, this keeps it real. And this says, Paul says, guys, 
The community out there is challenging me, and they're saying that I'm doing this all for self-glory. I'm doing this for prideful reasons. I'm doing this for even money. And Paul's like, that's a bunch of baloney. I'm not trying to win the approval of man. I am doing this to honor God. And so when we talk about being influencers, when we talk about being leaders, when we talk about impacting people's lives for the sake of the gospel, we don't do it so that we could go, man, I led three people to the Lord last year. How about you? Or check me out, man. I got my whole class coming. No, no, no. We do it because it's one way in which we show God we love him. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in Matthew chapter 22? Well, actually, he wasn't living in Matthew chapter 22 when he was asked this, but we see it recorded there. Jesus' response was what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You see, there's two things that this church right here needs to be good at, and we talk about it all the time. We need to be good at loving God and loving others. It's that simple. And part of loving God is really trying to do what is right in his eyes, honoring him. So why do we share this good news with other people? It'd be the same reason when if you have a loved one and their child left and ran away and there was separation, wouldn't you want to get involved and help bring that child back to its parents? Biblically, isn't that how our Bible reads? We're all children of God, but because of our sin, we've run away. So we get to be part of that redemptive story. We get to be part of that reconciliation. Those are big words. But simply stated, we get to bring back people into right relationship with God. How cool is that? Are you tracking with me on that? Is this making sense, I hope? Well, there's a, there's a story. Uh, President Bush in um, 1990, he had a fiery uh, John Sununu is his chief uh, of staff. And, and a reporter asked after one of the sessions, he says, you got a really tough job, huh? And, and immediately, uh, John responds, no, I don't. And the, the reporter uh, says, well, wait a second, you must not have heard my question. You didn't really give it much thought. He goes, no, 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 I, I heard your question. And my answer is still, no, my job is not hard. He said this, I have only one constituent. Now, to you, that might not make sense, but let me translate it for you. This chief of staff understood he had only one person he had to answer to, and that was the president. You know what gets me all wound tight and, and, tight and gets me sidetracked and gets me off kilter? Is when I make it answer, my life about answering to all kinds of people, hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people. And forgetting that, really, what I need to do is answer to one. Are you with me, church? You need to answer to God Almighty. And that people-pleasing stuff gets really tiring, doesn't it, my friends? And it gets exhausting. It gets very disappointing. And it's very uh, superficial, fake. And it really gives nothing except for stress and heartache. I love this advice. We live for an audience of one, and that's God Almighty. 
Secondly, write this down, serving as examples. Serving as examples. Verse 7 says this. Instead, we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. Church, that is so true, right? A nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Look at that comparison that Paul's giving. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked day and night in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. You are witnesses as so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father. Now there's this father image, deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. I love that, serving as as examples, not just seeking God's approval, but serving as an example. He says, I cared for you, I loved you, I taught you, I modeled for you. I loved you like a mother nursing. I loved you like a father encouraging. He says, we, we, we gave our lives for you. That's how much we cared. And, and I thought about this and, and this whole idea of leadership and influence of people for the gospel. Have you ever heard this saying? People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. What does that mean, pastor? Well, it means everything. What we said here, setting the example. We could blah, 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 blah about the Bible, and we could quote scripture, and we could tell everyone what it says, and this and that, but the second that we walk out that door and we start living our real life, did you catch that? When we start living it, that's the Bible they're reading. And that's what's gonna influence people for the gospel. It's not all the things that you're quoting, although God's word is incredibly powerful. I'm not saying that. But those of the people that are out there that are never gonna make it to the Bible, they're gonna read your gospel before they ever read this gospel. And they're gonna see if this gospel really is impacting your life. And if it's not impacting your life, why would they want any part of it? How many times are we guilty of going, oh, come to Jesus and he's going to answer all your prayers. He's going to give you life and he's going to give you joy. But instead, we're like, give your life to Jesus and you can be just like me. I mean, I've never been happier since I gave my life to Jesus Christ. You're like, what? I'm exaggerating here, but you understand our example is so crucial. And here's the deal. God is not talking and calling us to perfect commitment. I mean, perfect performance. He's calling us to perfect commitment. And so just be straight up. You're going to screw up as a Christian. You're going to mess up. You're going to fall short. You're going to speak things that aren't true. You're going to gossip. You're going to lie. You're going to shortcut. You're going to look at things that in the way that you should not look at. You're going to get angry beyond what you should. And there's, there, you're going to stumble. Own it. And part of that example is just going, you know what? I really messed up. I know I've talked to you about Christ in my life and I know this and that and you've watched me through this hard time and I just, that was a moment where I just wasn't leaning into the Lord. 
Our world is ready to hear that. Not just put a smiley face on and just go, praise Jesus, kumbaya, everything's wonderful. All hell is breaking loose around me, but I'm smiling. And then you fall apart when you walk in your door and shut it, right? That's not a real example, is it? Raise your hand if you've ever found Christianity hard. Raise it. Raise it proud and loud. Okay? There's a few of us in here. It's hard sometimes to walk as the Lord. It's hard to be a good example. I'll tell you this right now. There are some days where I'm dialed in with the Lord, and I really walk like Jesus would walk. But more often, I really screw up. And I'm not a good example with maybe my words or my eyes or where I let my feet go or my thoughts or my actions. I am a work in progress. How about you? And part of that is we just need to let the world know that, that because we came in here and sat in purple church, we don't have it figured out. It's the grace of God that helps us. All I'm saying is part of leading and being influencers is just being real. Real examples of grace and truth and life change. Is there anyone with me on that? I love that Paul was this way. You know, in this softball game I was telling you about, um, I ended up pulling myself up and I asked the team, just stick me and hide me in right field because I don't know which ball I should catch that's coming. I mean, I was, actually, Jenny, you were there. I mean, it was I, you know, so I'm hiding out there, and then later it came for me to bat, and I get on base, and my team's making fun of me. You got to put a runner in for you because you don't even know where you're going, and yada, yada, yada. Someone just hits a bomb. So I'm just jotting around second, jotting around there, and I'm comically going home for my team's sake, just being silly and just kind of just, well, the other team didn't interpret it that way, and there were two guys that were livid. Man, you're gonna take out the catcher and da, 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 you know this, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just got laid out. I'm not thinking about taking out a catcher, but it didn't matter because their impression was that. So I sit in the dugout. I just immediately went to the dugout, and sat, and I thought, what's the right thing to do here? Which is not a normal thing for me <laughs> on a baseball field. And you know what I did in between innings? This was stupid, this, but I'm still, you know, my bell's rung. I walk over inside the other dugout to that guy. And uh, I said, man, I, literally, I said this way, man, I'm so sorry if you really thought I was taking out the catcher. And I started laughing. I'm like, that was the last thing that was on my mind. But if that's what you saw, I just wanted to make perfectly clear that's not who I am. And he, he, he appreciated that. And you know what, church, honestly... I could give all kinds of reasons and stuff why I didn't need to do that. But that was the right thing to do. That was the right thing to do. And you know what, church? It actually feels good to do the right thing. It feels good to do the right thing. God is just calling us not to be perfect examples, but to be examples for him. Well, there's so much more on this, but I got to close off here. So we're going to close off and we're going to jump all the way to verse, I think it's 17. Yep, 17. 
But brothers and sisters, when you were orphaned and being separated from you uh, for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of uh, intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what, are, um, for what is our hope and our joy, our crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? It is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and you are our what? Joy. If you're taking notes, write this down. The last thing is sharing love for his people. So we got seeking God's approval, right? We got setting an example. And now we've got sharing God's love for God's people. Here's the reality. None of this is gonna matter if you don't care about people. (laughs) Let's just be real. Why in the world would you wanna influence people towards a loving Jesus if you don't care about him, right? And so Jesus left the 99 to go after the one that was lost. Why? Because he cared. He had compassion. I think the greatest temptation, the greatest struggle for me is that there's times where I just don't care. I don't care that people are going to hell. I, I hope that doesn't sound, I don't mean that bad and I don't even mean that funny. But I'm so caught up in my world that I don't care about everybody else's world. And that's what I think this message is for. It's just to remind us, wait a second, we gotta put this on the radar. Not just on the radar, but it needs to be going off, realizing that we are leaders for people to lead them to Christ. We are influencers, first for God, second as examples. And thirdly, because we love them, because that's what the second part of the great commandment says. Love your neighbor as yourself. So my question is, how you doing? Well, if you answer not so good, that's okay. Because we could change from today forward. And if you've been doing well in this area, praise God, teach me more. Model for me more and keep it up. There's a lot at stake. Father, thank you. Thank you for Second Thess- or First Thessalonians chapter two. Help us to grab a hold of your heart. Help us to grab a hold of your truths here. Let this rock our world. Let it change this world. Let it change this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, Lord. Thanks for listening. If you found this message helpful, why not help us spread the word by sending this message to a friend or a family member? You can also visit us on campus at one of our four worship experiences. For times and location, please visit us online at wvcch.org. Have a great day. Show me. You forget all my rebellions that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellions and my transgressions that I 